Welcome to Flavor Text, a podcast where we explore the lore and stories of Arkham Horror the Card Game, uh, episode by episode, and we see how they interact with the gameplay. I'm Krabby Terror 8, and I'm joined, as always, by my erstwhile colleague, Kevling. Hello, Kevling. How are you? Hello. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. We're, we're, we're celebrating Freedom Day here in Sydney. We are officially out of lockdown. <laughs> Uh, which means we can enjoy uh, a beer at the pub and further spikes in in cases, I assume, in the the weeks to come. (laughs) Well, yes, yes. All you need to do is just look at our COVID stats and you'll see your future lined up for you. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So uh... as is going up and up and up and up and up, but no one's doing anything about it. Yes. But the good news is you're going to tell us all about nuclear submarines. So we're 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 joyful. You can't imagine how joyful we are about that. <laughs> yes, I, I don't. I don't think the French are very happy with you, though, are they? No, no, the French are not very no. happy with us. So uh, I, I have a French colleague, and uh, when he called me the other day, I said, "Are you sp- still speaking to me? Are you?" <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, we have um, we have nuclear submarine manufacturing facilities here in this city, right. the most inland city in the country. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got Rolls Royce base here. Ah, of course. We've got one, one, one section of the one. They're in two. This is boring for the there's one side of the city they've got a plant making jet engines, and the other side of the city they've got a plant making submarine parts or engines or whatever. Some nuclear Rolls Royce nuclear or something like that. Well, at least in a nuclear exchange, you'll be instantly vaporized. So that, I guess that's a plus. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, suitable target. Yes, that's right. Uh, we're here. I guess what are what are we talking about today, Kevling? That's uh... it's uh, we're uh, we're climbing that hill, aren't we? We are. We're going it's, up. We're doing the weights this week. Yeah, we go. Yeah, all the way up to the peak. Yep. And see who's waiting for us up there. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we had a good time, didn't we? We uh, played this as a standalone and uh, we had a pretty well, good time. we thought we were having a good time. <laughs> and then it all got away from us at the end, didn't it? We thought, we're doing quite well. Lord, we're way ahead of the, the, uh, the act here. Oh, yeah, we're nearly at the top. We've only got a... F- oh. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Game over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, thanks to Beyond the Veil, which I guess we'll talk a little bit about oh, uh, a little yes. bit, bit uh, yes. later. Um, so I, I suppose we've um, we, we, there's been quite a focus in the second half of this campaign. I guess you know we're we're in Dunwich and it's called the Dunwich Legacy, so that's good. We're actually in the right place, and we've you know we've done Blood on the Altar, <laughs> and then we did Undimensioned and Unseen, which is around it. And this uh, this is a third scenario that's. Um, in 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 Dunwich, um, but we're not in Dunwich Central. This is a little bit different in terms of where it kind of kicks off, isn't it? Yeah. A bit different. We're talking about this Sentinel Hill, isn't it? Is it yes. just outside there? Yeah, it is. I mean, I get that because you can yeah. see the. It says there's a faint glow, so you sort of wake up and everybody's gone, or they've locked their doors, or basically it's like there's nothing going on in Dunwich anymore, and you can see in the distance a faint glow. So you're probably talking a ten minute. You know, drive. I mean, all of the all of the um, ordnance survey maps and and um, and tourist brochures of the area sort of say it's a ten minute jaunt <laughs> from Dunwich Central. <laughs> so, and it says you go in a car. So I'm assuming it's probably not a short walk, but it's not. You know, we're not talking. True, you know, true. it's you know they go. You go in Zebulon's beat up truck uh, towards Sentinel Hill. The whippoorwills are going crazy. 
and there's clearly some something going down on the hill and the hill is known it's not like it's you know oh you know it's kind of got got form this this hill uh, it was talked about in the you know in the Dunwich horror which they have you know your investigators have the sort of documents it's talked about in in those as well yeah, and it's in the setup. It's in the intro as well, isn't it? It says the tales speak of satanic rites being performed there, rites in which great ritual pyres light up the night sky while the ground rumbles furiously below. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, uh, you don't want to go wandering into that unawares, do you? If you didn't know already, you know now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, in a way, it's classic, right? It's classic. Lovecraft, Cthulhu and everything. There's a ritual going on. There's an old one being evoked and the plucky investigators have to try to stop it. I mean, you can't get more classic than that, really, can you? Definitely, definitely. And of course, we are so well prepared for it. (laughs) That's that's right. Yes, you will either have some some allies or not, a Necronomicon or not maybe you know uh, various things like that but there's this weird yeah. uh little side thing that you might have some extra help which is kind of strange in a way isn't it it's a- yes yes it echoes right back to um house always wins doesn't mm. it so if um if the obanians have our back uh and the reason they would have your back is if you were able to escort Peter Clover out of the Clover Club back in, uh, way back in scenario 1A, was it? I can never remember which way one we are. Uh, 1B. 1B, House Always Wins, yes. Mm. Then they, they've now got your back and they just turn up here at the base of the hill at a convenient location. And uh, yeah, whereas in previous scenarios, they... If you hadn't, if they didn't have your back, they're turning up just to give you a hard time on a train or uh, yeah. or wherever. Uh, but now, now this if you, if you've done that, they've got your back, and uh, it, it actually makes set up slightly easier because it gives you a little bit of a head start with some clues. Yeah, and the explanation is basically, oh, we were wrong to have been harassing you. We now understand that you've been, you know, you're okay, and we're going to give you a. It it just feels a bit contrived, to be honest. You know, a little. Well, bit. they wouldn't have been harassing you if they'd got your back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, that, that's the. It, it's it's like it's binary, isn't it? It's if. If you rescued Peter Clover, you'll have, you'll have not seen hide nor hair of the O'Banions for the rest of the campaign until now. Yeah. Whereas if you didn't rescue Peter Clover, there'd have been a thorn in our side in multiple scenarios. Yes. I, I, I still really don't understand. I mean, it was fine to have the O'Banion gang in the casino. That made sense, you know, organised crime and it's a casino. But I don't... They really seem very superfluous apart from, from, from that. I don't... You know, they don't seem necessary at all for... For the rest of the it's time. almost like they just decided they needed some sort of narrative reason for putting this particular encounter deck in, <laughs> yes. because probably for exactly those reasons it didn't fit otherwise. No, there's no. It makes no sense to have them on a train. But no, oh, they're following you on the train. Ah, that's right. Then this absolutely fine. <laughs> no, they don't exist in the the original story. So it's not like you know they were in the original story either. So it just feels a little bit tacked on but yeah it's not it's not terrible it's just they just feel a little bit 
superfluous to the to the whole thing. That's all. I guess I guess it's part of the the constraints they have to work to in the in the deluxe format where they have the initial box with two scenarios and then a bunch of encounter cards. Yeah. And then those encounter cards then get reused throughout the campaign. So they probably had that same conversation. How can it just doesn't fit. We need to work out a way of explaining why these guys keep turning up. I mean, it's it's a, it's it's a small aside, and it's yes. only if you rescue Peter Clover anyway. It is, which is a very slim. I tried to say it's very rare occurrence that that actually happens. Yeah, so yeah. more often than not, yeah, the O'Banions yeah. would be after you. It, it, it'd be interesting if they didn't have you back and they were trying to gun you down as you were trying to run up the hill. That would have been. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. So anyway, <laughs> so like you say, you know, you might you might get a couple of clues. It does feel like a very, in fact, in a way, it's like a kind of a false ending because it feels like it should be the ending of the campaign, right? And it could be. It could be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it could be. There's a thing that struck me as part of the setup as well. Mm. I'm not sure whether it's just because I've never dissected it like this before. The setup for this scenario, it does make it feel like, like you say, like this is the grand finale, because every single scenario leading up to this affects this setup. Yes, yes. um, You've got, uh, where are we? You've got extra chaos bag tokens if you didn't rescue the students. You've got an extra chaos token if you didn't, uh, if you cheated in the Clover Club. You've got the extra clues to start off with if you rescued Peter Clover from the Clover Club. Um, If you've got the Necronomicon, that affects the setup. Um, The, uh, what's it, Essex County Express also added extra chaos tokens. Whatever happened with Silas, that has big impact on on the setup here. And then also how many brood escaped on the previous scenario also affects the setup because that puts Doom into play. So it's like they've, they've, they've managed to key in something back to every single previous scenario. So like you say, it really does make it feel like... This is the grand finale. It's it, it absolutely does. And I did play this little game where I thought, well, what would be the best thing? You know, what what would be the sort of the best position that you could be in coming <laughs> coming mm-hmm. into this? Uh, and um, it's like, like like planning how you're going to play all the previous scenarios. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. The best outcome would be you rescue Peter, you restore Silas, yeah. which means that you use yeah. clues and you have the Necronomicon. In blood on the altar, right? Uh, to to re- to restore yeah. him, you have to have the Necronomicon and not kill him and use clues. Yes, that's true. Yes, uh, have all the allies sacrificed <laughs> and resign in undimensioned yeah. and unseen. And yet you do get <laughs> because all the allies sacrificed, you'd only get two doom, but you would start with clues. So that's kind of you'd yeah. say that would be the best outcome. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of that's a kind which, of a very bizarre a lot of that is not how you would naturally play the scenario is it no no or most of it no. in fact let's restore Silas with the book but let's have all of our allies sacrificed yeah it kind of um, <laughs> not quite but that that to me sounded like that would be the best way to deal, deal with it all uh, pretty much so hmm Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, I just found it fascinating how, yeah, like I say, every single scenario yeah. has affected this one. Yes. It all, it all, it's all leading to this, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you didn't know there was another scenario, you would think this was the, 
the end of the the line. It's sort of like a false ending mm-hmm. or a. I mean, it could be an ending, as we'll talk about, but but it's sort of a false ending in a sense, isn't it? It's it's not the end ending, yes, yeah. as, as, so to speak. So, like you say, setup is fairly the the thing I like about this scenario is sometimes, and I feel this in the later scenarios. I've been playing, I, I don't know about Edge of the Earth, but obviously I've been playing the um, Innsmouth Conspiracy, and one of the things I'm finding is it's and I've just I've just finished um, playing. Um, horror in high gear which is great but they're getting very yes, complicated yes. this takes so much they brain are, power yes. just to set the bloody thing up and work out what you're doing and i guess you get used to it yes. but the thing i liked about this scenario was there was some randomness but it was basically set up three cards you're going up the hill uh, you know and there's a bit of a random Ex- explore a bit at each level that's right and you've got to get to the top yes, yes. yeah so it wasn't too um you weren't focused so much on the mechanics of how you were going to get there in terms of the, you know, working out where you had to go and what you had to do. And I appreciated that, that it was fairly straightforward, which, 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 which yes, is good. You, you, you've not got that sort of cognitive overload trying to <laughs> work out all the different things that are happening yes. each time you take an action. Sort yes, of thing. yes. Because the story yeah. tends to get lost then because you're so focused on the process. Uh, but yes. I didn't find that with this scenario, so I really appreciated that. You're just at the bottom of the hill. You got to get up, and you, for whatever reason, you can't get to the next. You know, it's a classic gated, right? It's gated. Yes. You've got to get clues, yes. uh, and you've got to kind of they're gated, so you can't just go through without getting the the, the clues um, at each level. Yeah, no, no sprinting through the train, picking <laughs> up clues on the way here. No, no. You've, got to, you've got to stop and explore at yes. each level. Yes. So we've basically got what Sentinel Hill, uh, so base of the path, ascending path, and Sentinel Hill. Essentially, it's just it's it's just getting from the bottom to the top. But you know, there's a lot of challenge in the process. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes, and 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 also like some of our favourite scenarios, there is an element of randomness in the setup as well because at each level you've got these four different paths that you can explore, but only three of them will be in play. Or one will be out of play, should I say? And the three set aside, and then they will just randomly come in. So that it does add that bit of variety as well, as if there isn't enough variety as well in the setup based on how you've played the previous scenarios. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Now this one doesn't feel so bad. You're only taking one out. I mean, there is yeah. one that's got no clues on it, but most of the time, you know, you it, like you say, it adds variety, but it doesn't tip. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, based on the randomness, you're going to end up with a terrible combination. They're, no. they're all pretty much of a muchness, you know, really, uh, you know, in that way. They are, yes. We get different versions of Act 2 depending on... We've already touched on that, what happened with Silas. Yes. Um, but that basically gives you three different versions that's, that are basically... It's almost like three different difficulty levels, isn't it? One yes. of them you've got Silas to deal with. One of you you've got an injured Silas to deal with, and yes. the other one you've not—he's not there at all. Not there at all. So uh, <laughs> yes. yes, there's a benefit there to restoring uh, Silas, Definitely. Uh, which is a harder thing to do in Blood on the Altar because you're not killing him; you're getting the clues. And so, like you say, the the sort of the act is the path path to the hill. And I think the thing I like here is that the act and the agenda sort of really set the set the scene 
uh, in the setup because the path to the hill talks about a vibrant arcane energy fills the air with a brown rattling chill and the energy swirls along the crushed trail before you and seeps down several other paths before disappearing so you get the feeling that things are not just you know the way mm. they normally would be so that so the act kind of sets that up nicely in that way and then the agenda also used to gives you the idea something was really cracking off here calling forth the old ones as you approach sentinel hill you hear ancient latin rites bellowed across the night the time for action has come if you cannot stop the sorcerers in dunwich who knows what terrors they might unleash upon the world <laughs> yes yeah, so we got latin rites bellowed out and arcane energy crackling the only thing is that it, it's a fairly lazy 12 doom to sort of you know it doesn't feel I mean, I know you could have a couple of Doom on there because of un- Undimensioned Unseen, yes. but it doesn't exactly feel like there's... You've got time. Well, we thought we had time when we played it, but maybe maybe it lulled you into a false sense of security. Yeah. It just gives you true. enough time for the enemies to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and as well as... Well, there's only two agenda as well, so that's probably one reason why you've got a higher Doom threshold. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be a very short game. <laughs> yeah, and, and really, the agenda's not doing very much, except there's just a ritual going on, uh, you know, at the top of the hill. Um, you know that that's happening, but that's all you know. It's The agenda's yeah. not very descriptive. It's not saying very much, uh, at least until you flip it over and you get a bit more information. But um, at this stage, you're just getting the sort of atmosphere of it. Yeah, and, and like you say, there's not. It's not really dr- the agenda isn't driving a lot, story wise or mechanics wise. Normally, you flip the agenda, and that will trigger something happening. A card will come into play, or something will be revealed. But these, this one, it's literally just shuffle the encounter, discard power back, and have some narrative. So um, there's nothing mechanically going on there. It is literally just that doom timer for the total of twenty two rounds. Yes. Yes. When, you, when you add the two together. Yeah, so again, it makes it more straightforward. The main thing is we've got to get these two clues per investigator to unlock the the next level by exploring the um, the 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 base of the... Well, not the base of the hill, but the, um, the diverging paths at the base of the hill, basically. But you can resign and say, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> Yeah, we've got that right at the start, haven't we? Our old favourite. We go to all the trouble of setting your game. Nah, so I'll leave it. But obviously, we now know what happens if you do resign. But I guess we'll come on to that later. Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That is a that is a very dangerous carrot being dangled in front of you there. So shall we start talking through the locations? We start off with base of the hill. The long slope of Sentinel Hill rises before you, cresting in the jagged edges of Sentinel Peak. It's very evocative art there. It starts off all nice and nice, lovely trees and a winding path at the bottom. But as you get to the top, it looks darker and more sinister. And, and those jagged rocks look very sinister indeed with some sort of structures up there as well. It looks like, or no, there's ro- they're just like dead trees it looks like doesn't it as if it's been struck by lightning multiple times yeah yeah it looks like it's seen some action over the years <laughs> definitely all those tales of satanic rites yeah exactly exactly 
And then, as you mentioned earlier, the next location up the hill ascending path is blocked. Yep. So the, it says there the path leading up the hill is masked. You cannot move. So all we can do at the moment is explore at the base mm. of the hill to put these diverging paths into play, of which we will have three randomly selected out of the four available. Yes. Now, the, 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 the interesting thing is there is that it's not blocked by rocks or anything. It's... It actually says uh, when you try to follow the path leading further up Central Hill, you somehow end up walking in a perpetual loop. Each time you stop to find your bearings, you find yourself back at the base of the hill again. So it's some magical thing is yes. st basically stopping you from ever um, getting there, if you like. So what shall we do now? Shall we have a look at the diverging paths themselves? I think so. So I'll start with the one we all in we all hope we'll never get. Destroyed path. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> this is one you don't you you hope you get rid of because this is there's no clues here and the thing is you want to get the whatever clues there are but this one gives you no clues. It's a destroyed path, so I guess the implication here is there's no path at all. Um, after you reveal destroyed path, put a doom on it, so you add a doom, and you can investigate to remove that doom. But essentially, it's a wasted. It's wasted effort because yeah. it's not going anywhere. So it's going to cost you probably a you know a turn for your investigator uh, because you would move on to there. You'd then have to then investigate and maybe move back. So you would have lost lost a turn, which in solo would be pretty it's pretty steep kind of cost. Uh, probably not mm. so bad in multiplayer, but still, um, yeah, not not great. But thankfully, it's the only one I think that doesn't have clues yes yes the others have all got one clue per investigator and yes. we need according to the act uh two clues per investigator to advance yeah so basically we need to clean up on uh, two of these locations don't we that's right yeah 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 i'm sorry just mentioned there on that destroyed path sorry no flavor text at all very no. disappointing i know lazy lazy devs lazy come on yeah. give us some give us some flavor text <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next one we have is Eerie Glade. This is a Shroud of Four, so this is probably the hardest of the four locations. One clue per investigator. Uh, forced effect, after you reveal Eerie Glade, discard the top two cards of your deck for each action you have remaining. Mm. So that's a common theme, isn't it, throughout yes. a lot of these locations, as yes. depending on the timing of you going into that location, it can have a negative effect on the rest of your turn. So here, for example, yes, discard two cards f off your deck for each action you have remaining. Mm. So obviously the, that's punishing you for going early. Yep. And then other cards, as we're about to see, it's going to punish you for going late. Exactly. So I think probably the safest route is maybe to do the revealing on the middle action of each turn to try and minimise either way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sure someone else will have done the stats on that. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was uh, Eerie Glade. And it is very eerie. It's a very strange picture. I still can't work out what's going on. It looks like there's blood on the ground or something. It's all very strange. Um, and then the next one is Frozen Spring. Um, and, and this is uh, after you reveal Frozen Spring, lose the remainder of your actions and immediately end your turn. So... Uh, presumably because it's so cold or something. Uh, despite the temperature of the air, the spring has frozen over completely. So Yeah, and I'm guessing part of this is that you are you're exploring through all of these twisted narrow paths, so that is what is taking the time away from you. Yes. 
I guess. Yes, exactly. So sort of probably narratively that might be how it fits. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a reasonable yeah. assumption. And then the final one is the beautifully most enticingly named Slaughtered Woods. <laughs> Not quite sure how woods can be slaughtered, but there you go. Uh, forced after you reveal slaughtered woods take two horror if you have no actions remaining so just like the previous well th- on that one if you go on your last turn you are getting punished yes yeah previous one you it was you were getting punished for going early because you yep. lose your remaining actions the one before that you're losing cards if you have actions remaining so yeah the the punishment definitely seems to be around going early more than going late yep it, it seems yeah apart from this one. <laughs> and uh yeah and as we'll also touch on later some of these with discarding cards Mm. that's a common theme in this scenario as well is uh milling your deck which will then lead you into beyond the veil unless you've prepared for that yeah yeah Uh, but yes we will touch on that in a bit as well yes yes so yeah so that's our four locations so that one was only a two shroud that location so it's a two a three and a four yeah no flavor, no flavor text on this one, but pretty horrible picture. <laughs> well, mind you, look at yes, you got bodies hanging from the trees and like a raven picking at the feet of one of them. So if you, yeah, so if you kind of if you manage to survive all of that and you get your clues, you can flip. I guess you, I guess they're aligned, aren't they? Because you would flip the path to the hill. And then you would be able to go up the path, so they're kind of aligned in that way. Um, because you yes, have it's part to. Of, it's part of advancing the act, isn't it? Yeah, you it have reveals to reveals yeah. the masked path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you don't you know when the investigators collected the requisite number of clues, they must immediately spend them. So there's no there's no waiting. So there's this there's this synchronization between moving up the hill and the uh, yeah. act. Yeah. And a very distinct bit of narrative mm. on the reverse of the act there. Mm. So during your search through the wooded paths around the base of Sentinel Hill, you come across a startling sight. A herd of sheep lays dead upon the ground in a secluded clearing, their bloodied carcasses placed in a strange but careful pattern. Holding your nose against the stench of death, you step over the mangled sheep on your way to the centre of the odd formation. OK, that's a bit odd so far, but it's going to get odder. In the centre of the sheep lies the corpse of a man. A clear jewel has been pressed firmly into his forehead, caving in the front of his skull. His eyes are wide, his face contorted in a vision of fear as if beseeching you for mercy. Though you know better, you check for a pulse. As you touch the man's skin, the jewel in his forehead dissolves and the woods around you seem to clear. How bizarre is that? Mm. So I'm guessing it's this jewel being... A combination of this jewel and this man's forehead is what is masking mm. the uh, the hill to prevent people like us stumbling across what is going on up there. Yeah. And so now our objective is to get up to the next level, which is Sentinel Peak itself. Yes. Uh, which is we can't get into there until we've got two clues per investigator. Same thing again, right? It's the... So we need to go off wandering again. <laughs> yes. Uh, this time down uh, a different set of paths this time the altered paths which are very which compared to the divergent paths are really quite freaky in, in comparison <laughs> yes yes and these are these are clusters altered so um some of the other treacheries and things like that will have an effect if we're at one of these locations when one of those trip now the the thing we just didn't mention just briefly was that when you're at the base of the hill and the ascending path you've got to investigate 
to bring them out as a, as a random location. Yes. So it's not like the and we can only do it once per only round. Only once as well, per so round. You can't rush it. Exactly. You can't yeah. really. It, it's very controlled in that sense, and I can see maybe that's mm. why they put so many doom on the agenda. You, like you say, you can't you can't rush it. You can't do it super fast. It won't let you. Um, you would be in trouble if you were doing the solo with a low. Why would you though? You wouldn't. You wouldn't take an investigator who couldn't get close. <laughs> I suppose you wouldn't do that. But uh, yes, it, it does require that as part of it. Yep. A tear in the path. Uh, so this is a shroud of three, one clue per investigator. Mm. And another bizarre piece of art. It looks literally like a crack in the ground of which you can see space yes. through it. Not space as in a space, space as in outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like stars and planets and moons in there. And again, you can see the city in the background as well, so you know we're not far away from Dunwich. No, flavour text again. What are they doing to us? Again, very. there's loads of space for flavour text there. That's right. They could have put a lovely thing about, you know, the tear was unfathomable. Like, surely they could find something that Lovecraft has said about something like that or something. But anyway... Um, so yeah, so it, again, we've got a forced effect here. After you reveal it, take two damage if you've got no actions remaining. So again, you're being penalised for leaving the investigation till the end of your turn. Not the investigation. No, it is an investigation, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. You've investigated to reveal this location. It's not clear why a tear in the path would be so damaging. I guess maybe you lose your footing or it looks more like it would cause your sanity to question sanity as much as anything but anyway yeah so yeah okay that's a tear in the path and then the next one is dimensional gap which is a very freaky looking picture uh it's like everything super warped and um this is again a three shroud one clue per investigator location it says after you reveal dimensional dimensional gap discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until an enemy is discarded spawn that enemy here instead of its normal spawn location that's one that you'd rather like to not not have to encounter if you can help yes, it. Yes, that's one of the rare ones. In fact, I think that's the only one that is has got nothing to do with which turn it is. No, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And no flavour text again. So if you try, you try to avoid going early or late and this one will still kick you in the teeth. <laughs> it's, it's almost not worth worrying about. you just got to kind of just, just take it on the chin or whatever, you know, because you just never know. Yeah. So, yeah, no flavour text for that one. It's, you know. So here we have this is Lost Memories, two shroud, one clue per investigator, and again, forced. After you reveal Lost Memories, take a horror for each action you have remaining. And a nice little flavour text there. No, no, this shouldn't be here. This can't be here. You think they're talking about the left hand side or the right hand side? I don't know. The right hand side looks very Silent Hill to me. It looks a bit, looks a bit horrific, so. Yeah, it looks like a bit of blood mm. and almost like bits of building. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's supposed to give it like a sort of a street. I don't know. Mm. You're sort of seeing one of your old memories through there, something painful. Yes. yes. I'm guessing. Yes. yes. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yep. And then finally, we have Uprooted Woods, which is, uh, again, two shroud, one clue per investigator, which... Looks like, I don't know if you've played that video game Control, 
which is actually quite... Yes, it does. It, it yes. looks a little bit like something from that, uh, uh, everything kind of floating around in the air and things. Um, <clears throat> forced, Which is a very Lovecraftian game, it is, to be honest, yeah, isn't it? It's brilliant. Yes. Love it. Um, uh, forced, after you reveal Uprooted Woods, discard the top five cards of your deck if you have no actions remaining. So again, it's it's a, you know, no actions remaining, so... Yeah, I think that is the most common theme, isn't mm. it? That it's the last action that causes you the most. Yep. So that's two of them out of that set get you on the last yep. action. Um, and then it's... Yeah, all of the ones... Uh, only one of them gets you on the last action yep. in the first set. The other two penalise you if you've got actions left. Yes. So. yeah. I mean, it's basically it's putting everything in in the path to stop you from from getting to the top of the hill. Essentially, it's like yeah, whatever, whatever. It's like everything is engineered so you can't get there too quickly. No. Yeah, you okay. can only reveal one location per turn. If you go into that location, oh, you've just lost the rest of your actions. Yes. Or yes, it's so it's just constant obstacles. I suppose that's. Mechanically, I suppose that's mirroring how difficult it is to get up to the top of this hill. Yes, um, and 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 it says at Sentinel Peak, similar thing. An arcane wall blocks the path further up. So again, there's this sort of arcane energy that's stopping you from from getting up to the hill any further. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. But so we've been through those three of those four locations. Yep. Um, potentially with enemies spawning at them and such like, and I think I think when we played it, we had the the situation where we needed to get to a specific location to get some clues, didn't we? And there was a nasty enemy sat there, yeah. but we drew the treachery that reshuffled them all, and it let us avoid him completely, which was really nice. Not very often the game does nice things like that for you. And there's the rather amusing devotee of the key who sort of starts at the bottom of the oh, hill. Oh yes, we've not touched on him, and, have and we? Just just runs up the hill. <laughs> It just sort of does, does this. He does what we can't do, apparently, which is just sort of runs up the hill no matter what. So all we needed to be was devoted. Yes. And we could just go straight up there. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the other thing we found, which a lot of people are going to find as they're doing this, is they're going to get the Beyond the Veil, particularly in a multiplayer yes. game where you're drawing lots from the encounter deck. And so that plays into this sort of card discarding because it becomes a threat. In fact, it becomes a bigger threat as time goes on because you are literally discarding cards uh, if you get beyond the veil. And if you if your whole deck has no cards in it, you take 10 damage, which is going to kill most investigators. So it's quite a significant... And we found that as <laughs> quite a significant threat. Yes, it got us both, didn't it? Yes. It did. It, it, <laughs> um, it did. Yeah, so... You, you you have to know that's coming up to then be able to prep for it in your deck building. Yes. Um, to get something like, uh, I'm trying to think now, is it Devil's Luck, the survivor card, that says if you will be defeated, cancel up to 10 of the damage and then exile this card, I think it says. Yeah. Um, there's probably, I'm more familiar with the survivor cards than the rest, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure there are a couple of others like that. But... I think a lot of those cards would not have been in the card pool at the time this came no. out. So this would have just been an insta kill, no, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. And you know what I thought of? I thought I played Harvey Walters quite a lot. He's a great character, mm -hmm. but he relies on card draw. His special ability is if you draw a card, you draw an extra card. <laughs> He's all about having a full hand and drawing cards like crazy. 
he'd be terrible if he if he got beyond the veil he might as well just just give up because you know, you know what i mean that totally nerfs his ability yeah um so yeah. it's a it's a it's it's actually a pretty nasty card to get um and really kind of really amps amps up the threat quite significantly in this scenario so i think um i think probably in the core set the, the probably the main thing a way of avoiding this is for the mystics isn't it for to play ward of protection yes so when you draw this you can fast play that to cancel it and just take a horror exactly but, um, that at the time like i say at the time this came out i don't think there were many many toys no. to be able to deal with that at all the likelihood mm. also is that by now by the time you get to the point where you're getting to the peak you're likely to be on the second agenda unless you've been yes. really lucky and you've done it really fast oh that's right i didn't mind i quite like this the way it says the world begins to change the grass and trees dissolve like sugar in a cup of tea i thought that was lovely I don't know who came up with that, but that's very, that's just great. Um, so yeah. things are, the whole, basically reality is just sort of just warping, uh, you know, yes. um, the world is altered. And then all we have here is just basically a quote from um, Dunwich Horror, which is about yogg Sothoth being the gate and yogg Sothoth, uh being the key and the guardian to the gate, which is, um, so instead of trying to evoke it more, it's almost giving you this dread that Yogg-Sothoth is this all-encompassing being, uh, and if he's around, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And you, and you don't have a printing error on that card. It's uh, it's supposed to look like that. Yeah. What what is that like? Static it's all sort of like corrupted text, corrupted isn't text. it? Sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So it's very sort of overlaid various bits of punctuation over it to make it look more otherworldly, I guess, but still English. <laughs> yeah, they walk serene and primal, undimensioned and unseen. It's sort of a, you know, it's this idea, this very Lovecraft idea that we've just got no no idea, you know, what's going on. We can't even see what we're supposed to be, you know. It's just, yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. So, um. That was all those locations. We've done all four of them, yep. haven't we? So now we're at the point where we can reveal Sentinel Peak. Yay! And again, depending on which of the Act 2s we've had will depend affect what we're going to face when we get there. So we could have Seth Bishop, we could have an injured Seth Bishop, or we could have no Seth Bishop at all, which, uh, like you say, is the uh, preferred option. <laughs> I, my favourite one, though, is the one with Seth, Seth Bishop, uh, where... Um, where you throw the, uh, I think this is the one where where you've you've uh, you've re re Silas is back. You've used the Necronomicon. I think it's the version one, uh, and, yes. and and you throw the pendant onto the ground, and he sort of staggers back and falls into the into the rift and gets disappeared. <laughs> yeah, so that that's the pendant you get from um, restoring Silas. It's kind of, it's almost, um, you know, almost by accident. He's just like, what? Ah! And then he just sort of disappears. <laughs> and he's gone. And he's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You sort of get a slightly different version of the narrative, don't you, depending on which which version you get. Whereas um, the second one, when the gate opens, you got Seth holds onto the stone in front of him to present himself when being sucked into the gate. But several others are startled and pulled through it. So, uh, and then the other one is the same in that way. Um, yes. The difference there is that he he doesn't have 
he can't complete the Latin incantation in the third one. So he uses a blood rite instead to make it happen. So that's why he's got a damage on him because he's basically used blood. Because he's getting very frustrated with the... Uh, with the um, uh, it's not working, Seth. One of the other men cries out, what are we going to do? And then, you know, the man pulls out a cobbler's knife and, you know, the father demands a blood sacrifice. So he, he slits it at his wrist and that causes it to happen. And that's why he's got a damage on him. So, yes, they're, they're similar. The only difference is he's already got a damage on him. Yeah. 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 And so now we are at Sentinel Peak and the gate is open. Yes. So Act 3A, from the ruins of the headstone on the altar at the Hills Peak, a gateway of churning, vibrant en energy has appeared. Mm. A force like a hurricane erupts from the gate, bending trees and pulling debris into it. The howl of the gale drowns out all of the sound. Somehow you must find a way to close the gate. And the objective is to spend two clues per investigator at the peak. And that's where we failed, wasn't yes. it? <laughs> yes, it, it was. Last week, yeah. And it, and it feels a bit Indiana Jones, you know, the bit in Indiana Jones where it's, don't look, you know, they're tied to and they've got their eyes closed and there's stuff swirling around and all that sort of yes, thing. It feels like that. Definitely. Very much. Um, so, yeah, and the interesting thing is, that, so you, there's Seth Bishop there, and, I mean, he's he's elite, but he's not he's not what I call the toughest um you know, elite. No, three health per investigator. And so yeah, the five fight and the five evade do make him a bit tough, but health wise, he's not. It's not like uh, like the ghoul priest or whatever, where it's ten per investigator. Yeah. So um, and he's got retaliate, sure. But the thing is, in a solo game, a bit more challenging. But <clears throat> in a multiplayer, you've just got to get the four clues right, and that's it. Like you, you don't even. You, yes. Someone could engage him while the others get the clues. Um, Sure. So it's not, in a way, it's a bit of an anticlimax because, you know, not, beyond the veil, notwithstanding, which is, <laughs> which is where we kind of came under. Yes, it's actually not that. Not, there's not that much to do. You basically got to hold off Seth Bishop long enough to get the four clues or the two clues per investigator, yes. basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a shroud of four, so it's a bit tougher than some of the other locations we've been yep. at. Um, flavor text there. It was here that the Watleys used to build their hellish fires and chant their hellish rituals. So again, a throwback to the the Dunwich legacy there, I guess. And uh, I think you should read the flavor text on Seth Bishop with one of your brilliant accents. Oh, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> you did such a good job last time. Oh yes. Uh, okay. And he says he miss Corey as how he sought took for Seth's crows, frightened he was, and found him in the upper pasture and I in Devil's Hop Yard in that awful shape. Huff on huff on him's clean gone, and nigh huffing him that's left to suck most dry blood with sores on him. HP Lovecraft, the Dunwich horror. <laughs> Perfect. This is this is love. This is Lovecraft's idea of what backwoods New Englanders sound like. <laughs> I don't even know what and that people means. People had strange ideas. Yeah, he had very strange ideas. <laughs> um, so I mean, basically, it's pretty straightforward. You just got to. You don't even have to kill Seth Bishop. You get a victory point for him, but um, you actually get yeah. two victory points. I think for Sentinel Peak anyway. So. Um, yeah, so that's 
that's essentially it. You just gotta, you know. Yeah. So yeah, Seth's basically some bonus XP for you, really, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. E- um, exactly. But obviously, if you're playing this true solo, you've got to deal with him before you can deal with the peak. So that again, that makes it much more difficult. Whereas at least if there's if it's in a multiplayer game, like you say, or you're playing two handed or whatever, one of you can hold him off while the other goes for the clues. I mean, in some circumstances, you know, if you're playing Leo. You could possibly just tank all the damage and horror. It's only he only does one damage and horror. You yeah. could literally just tank damage and horror and get the clues. You know what I mean? You, in some circumstances, mm. you might be able to actually do, do that rather than worry about killing him at all if you if you're getting low on time and, and things like that. So yeah, yeah, because he doesn't do that much. He's only doing one of each. So. Um, so we yeah. we we didn't have an issue with him or getting the clues. Our issue was a bit different, wasn't it? It was beyond the veil, wasn't it? Yes. There we go. So if you manage to get the four clues, I think you immediately spend them, don't you? And that's advance. He says only investigators at Sentinel Peak may spend oh, the, may. the requisite number of clues okay. to advance. So you might want to hang around to finish Seth off. And it's interesting. There's all these other people there, but yeah. they're not. They're not fighting you. It's just Seth, basically. Yeah, I mean, and obviously there's other enemies in the in the deck as well. So we could have a crazed Shoggoth appear. There's we mentioned the devotee of the key come running up that hill. Um, the the, the spheres. Some thralls in the deck as well. Yeah, the the agglomeration of spheres or whatever they're called, conglomeration of spheres. Yeah, you can have and, uh, wizards of Yogg-Sothoth. So there's a there's a fair number of um, enemies to deal with. Yeah, and also at the Sentinel you Peak, you're course. taking damage if you draw a hex. So it's almost like there's stuff, you know, there's just energy swirling around, and it's generally causing you damage if stuff happens, things like that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not um, it's not easy. It's it's kind of just more straightforward, I suppose. It's just you know just going to get these two clues per investigator. Yeah, I think that's that's this scenario through and through, isn't it? Pretty straightforward, really. Bit of a complex setup, depending on the previous scenarios, but the actual scenario itself plays pretty straightforwardly. Quite a nice structure to it as well. You know, investigate this level, then move up. Investigate this level, then move up. Now deal with the bad guy and escape. And escape. Effectively. Yes. Well, not escape. Yes. Step through the portal. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, and it's interesting that the ending is not you kill Seth Bishop and he falls to his death and that's sort of it. It's like um, if you do have the clues, it says you don't know how to close the swirling gate before you Uh, and with each passing moment, the force from within it grows in strength. You fear that whatever entity the Sorcerer of Summer from Bronze approaches with no time to spare, you you turn to the open tome on the stone altar for answers. So... You're like <laughs> literally flicking through a book. There's like, you know, arcane energy everywhere. And you're like, hold on. Let me just have a look. Let me let me do some research <laughs> on this. It's like, really? You'd be looking through this tome trying to find an answer. It seems kind of a bit amusing that you'd be madly kind of, you know, flipping through this book you've never seen before, trying to find the answer. To... It must have the answer. It must have. They were using it. Let me just check the index. <laughs> closing the... Ah, closing the gate. Here it is. 
Well, it's funny you should say that, but when you read Resolution 1, it, it almost says that. <laughs> It says, the poorly bound tome appears to be written records of old Watley, the man who taught Wilbur the ancient secrets of sorcery. You find a passage describing a place outside of time and space where worlds converge and Yogg-Sothoth dwells. Only by reaching the nexus at the edge of reality can you unmake the tear that has split open the world. Feeling as if you may be going to your doom, you muster a final ounce of courage and step into the gate. What? So like, oh, what is this place then? Oh, oh. Just like we've got to go there to stop it. Off we go. <laughs> I, I really have a problem. I'm sorry, I have a problem with that. Why couldn't we just be sucked into the... You know what I mean? Why have us searching yeah. through a book trying to find the answer? Why couldn't it just say it gets too strong and you just get sucked in? You know what I mean? It just seemed ridiculous yeah. that you would be on the top of this bloody hill looking at this book trying to find, you know, the the answer, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not as though, even as though narratively, they're trying to say there's no way of stopping it. I don't know. It's, it's like, yeah, like you say, it would have made more sense to be just dragged through rather than you choosing to go through. Yeah. You're choosing to go through just because of some weird, what some old book says that they might have been using to conjure it up in the first yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not just find something in the book to stop it? Or, I don't know. Yeah. Have you got time to sit and read the whole book before you realise there's definitely nothing in there to stop it? I guess we're going to have to go through yeah, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It felt like it, it, it feels less believable than just it got so strong you get sucked in. A bit like what happened with the Essex County Express. You know, you just there's a tear in space yeah. and it just sucks stuff up into it. And, you you know, I, that, that, feels, that feels more kind of... That, that kind of makes more sense to me than, than the sort of madly searching... It's a little book. bit clunky, isn't it, this yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's a small, small gripe, really. Um, mm. Because uh, if you don't do that, well... <laughs> <laughs> as, we, as we've been alluding to throughout this entire podcast, yes, anything other than finding the clues... It's game over, dude. It is completely. <laughs> Yogg-Soth off basically appears and that's the end of everything. Yeah, and I I, I don't know about you, but when, when we were playing it last week and we both we failed the scenario, I don't think we had remembered that that was going to be the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, well, never mind. We'll pick up next time. Oh, no, we won't. Yes. No. Yes, it's... yes. the sorcerers from Dunwich seeking arcane power from beyond this realm have accomplished what Wilbur and old Watley could not. Through blood sacrifice and indescribable experiments, the dark power the sorcerers sought is now within their reach. However, they will never get the chance to truly wield this power. In beseeching Wilbur's father for knowledge, they have drawn the creature forth from its extra-dimensional realm. Yogg-Sothoth emerges from the open rift above Sentinel Hill, blotting out the sky and enveloping the world. Now it has come to Earth, and it rules where humanity once tread. Surely that should have said should. I don't know. That's that's it. We're all we're all doomed. We're all gone. Mm. Logsothoth tore apart the barrier between worlds and became one with all reality, which was nice. Each investigator is driven insane and the investigators lose the campaign. Yes, yes. Mm. So it's either a false ending or it's the, it is absolutely the ending. So, yeah. Yes. 
Um, yeah, w where it does kind of sub subvert expectations is there's no opportunity to close the gate. You're either jumping into the gate or it's the end of everything. There's not this sort of kill yeah. Seth Bishop, his chanting stops, gate closes, that's it, you know, kind of deal. That doesn't happen. So it does subvert expectations from that perspective. Mm, definitely. Mm. And so that then brings us next time to number seven, Lost in Time and Space. And we will find out what is on the other side of that game. Yes, and, and you know, it, it's one thing for this game to create locations and sort of physical things. I don't know very much about the this next scenario, so be, I'm interested to see how they create a sort of a non you know, strange dimensional world lost in time and space using, you know, the cards and things and yes. how they bring that to life. I'm, I'm sort of interested to see how they, how they manage to, if they manage to pull that off. So, mm. yes. Yeah, looking yeah, forward to yeah. that. So what did you think about this scenario all around, Kevling? What did you, what were your thoughts? I... I think, I mean, as we as we sort of touched on, it was it was nice and straightforward. Yeah. It's nice to have a scenario without that sort of overhead of multiple layers of mechanics trying to work out. Oh right, well, if we do this, then actually on the next round, these are now going to move to a random location, so they could be heading to. You yes. know, you haven't got to think worry about any of that. It's literally get exploring, get up the hill, nice and straightforward. Uh, and I think the way the exploration fits in with the narrative it all works really well i think on this it one. does it's it's very well controlled and it, it it also it works really really well i agree it's well balanced in that way the only thing i think about is it's a little bit of an anticlimax when you get to the top of the hill you know what i mean there's not much yes. there's not much they seem to have emphasized getting up the hill compared to being at the top of the hill, you know what I mean? And stuff happening at the top of the hill. It it feels, and I'm not saying they should have done it that way, but it, it, it is a bit anticlimactic when you get to the top of the hill because there's not much there. There's just Seth, you know, up there and, and, and that's kind of it. You know, there's, there's not much, it's not like there's multiple things happening at the hill and there's multiple people and multiple events. It's like you say, it's fairly straightforward when you get there most of it's really getting up to the mm. top rather than at the top yeah i think, I think uh, like you say it, it is well controlled to get to to stop you getting up to the top so quickly mm. um you can only unveil one location per round so it it limits how quickly you can get up there and there are enough treacheries and things in there to actually put an end to your game before you get up there so there's plenty of obstacles to try and overcome uh, but like you say, there is no climax, so to speak. You've got mm. Seth to deal with or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you can just ignore him and try and close the gate. Yeah, now I think about Indi Indiana Jones, for example. I know it's not the same, but, you know, there's lots of stuff happening to get to the Covenant. and But then the Covenant itself is a hell of a set piece, you know. There's all these things yes. that happen. And so it's very satisfying from that perspective because you're not let down at that kind of... And that's often the hardest bit to do, right? Because that's where everything sort of comes together. Mm. And I'm not saying there's... You know, Sentinel Peak's fine. It's just it's just for such a thing that's going to... Such a world-ending kind of <laughs> moment. Eh, it's a little bit kind of... 
thin in terms of what's going on, I guess. And I'm, kind of, I'm guessing the next scenario is that that final scene, so to speak, as to what happens when we step through the gate. I, I think you're right. I think that's the point, isn't it? Is that the next scenario mm. is really the, the the sort of where all all the sort of final action happens. This is just the sort of the the sort of the the, the intro to that. So I think you're right. It, it's it's not really the end. It's it's just the beginning of the end, really. So I think that's yes. probably the difference. Yes. Yeah. But all in all, a very mm. enjoyable. Uh, I really enjoyed playing it, and uh, I think from a story perspective, it does a really good job of bringing the whole thing to life. You certainly, you know, you feel the 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 peril and the and the sort of arcane energy and everything going on. So they've done a really good job with that. I think it's great. Yep, really good. And uh, and after and after coming straight after undimensioned and unseen, <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. it's a massive leap in quality. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant, fantastic. <laughs> Yes, tackling the final chapter in the uh, Dunwich Legacy, which is, uh, um, I was going to say it's undimensioned and unseen, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 wipe that from your memory. No, we are not going lost in time there. and space. So uh, really looking forward to talking about that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so until then, I'm Krabby Terror 8. I'm Kevlin. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. Please like, comment and subscribe. We'd very much like to hear from you. If you would like to um, send us your thoughts, um, send it to ftexpodcast at gmail.com. That's F-T-E-X-T podcast, ftexpodcast at gmail.com. You can also listen to this podcast on YouTube. Just go to Out of Ammo, Out of Time, and you will find it there. And it's also available on the usual podcast platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, that kind of thing. So if you want to subscribe, go there. But until then, I'm Krabby Terror 8, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye.